And so if I swipe this, it's gonna beep. 10 seconds, we're gonna take off. So let okay. me know if you're ready. Do it. Okay. So what you're hearing then is our startup slash warning sequence. Okay. So if there happen to be any bystanders in the area, right, it's a signal that, hey, this tractor is about to do work. And then, and then we're off and running. Well, okay then. <laughs> so we're gonna finish the pass we're on. In a second here, it'll beep and that'll, that'll signal, we, yep, we're gonna raise the tillage tool behind us. We're gonna make the turn. As you can see, we're gonna turn to the left here. And then we're this is CES 2022, and uh, I'm currently at the John Deere booth. And for those of you wondering why John Deere is at CES, let me just put this to you in perspective. I'm not sitting on a Tesla, no, but the tractor that I'm sitting on is fully autonomous. And there are so many questions as to why. Why is automation important in farming? And why has John Deere taken such a giant leap that many companies are still struggling to figure out? We had a full interview with their leadership team and trust me, we delve into all these questions. I'm Jaime Rivera with Pocket Now and uh, this is our interview. Jamie and Deanna, thank you for doing this. We had this very interesting podcast with Josh who wanted to be here. And for him, it was like, what were you doing in Iowa? <laughs> that was the whole topic, like why? Because we've been doing tech. I've been doing tech for 10 years. And the last thing I would have ever expected is to see Deer as a tech company. But let's just start with your formal introductions, your positions, and we'll take it from there. Uh, my name is Deanna Kovar. I'm the vice president of our production and precision ag production system team. So we're responsible for driving the product, technology, and business strategy for our corn, soy, small grains, cotton, and sugarcane customers globally. Thanks, Deanna. My name is Jamie Heinman. I'm the chief technology officer for John Deere. My responsibility is really to build up the tech stack that all the products that Deanna just mentioned, uh, that technology gets deployed on to put to useful, useful purpose for the customers that we serve. I'm going to start with a little story. I was in Iowa in July. Uh, you know, you show us the place, uh, drove a tractor, drove a combine, had this great experience, and then we have dinner, and you guys saw me go all crazy about what we did there. But you didn't tell me anything about what I just saw. It's really hard not to. How, did, <laughs> how, how, how hard was that? You kept this under wraps, like, come on. Well, there's so much technology for us to share. It was actually easy to make sure that we wowed you with all of the technology that's already out in the market that farmers are using every day on fields all over the world. So we didn't need to let this cat out of the bag because we had so many other great technologies to share that all have built up to this point in time where we have the opportunity to, to drive autonomously in the field uh, across many, many acres of, of farmland. Now give me a little backstory because our top of mind is if we hear about artificial intelligence, we think Tesla, we think Qualcomm. We don't think of John Deere. And I, you know, that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions. Sure. But I obviously would like to know more about the backstory of what I just saw with this automated tractor. This is the culmination of how many years of work? Yeah, I, I would say 20 years, which is probably part of the reason why we keep it such a good secret, right? There's, 
technology in agriculture, Jaime, as you, as you well understand now, is one of the best kept secrets, right? It's right. a highly technical industry, uh, technology driven. Farmers are early adopters of technology generally. So this autonomous tractor really has been in the works for, I would argue, 20 years since we started to put satellite navigation on tractors you know, 2002 timeframe, and they started driving themselves through the field with an operator in, in the operator station. Now, why automation and farming? I guess that, that would be like the biggest question is like, before that trip, I did not see John Deere as a tech company. And now for me, I honestly have a hard time seeing you as a farming company just. <laughs> but why automation in farming? Yeah, there, there's several reasons why automation has become so important in farming. And it really comes back to the purpose of every day getting up to feed, feed the world and clothe the world. And today, in farming, timing is really critical. If you miss your planting window by a day, you can sacrifice a percent of your yield every day that you miss that planting window. If you miss spraying a weed, it can grow four to seven inches in a day and not be able to be terminated and, and can impact the yield in your crop. So timing is really, really important. Then there's a ton of uncertainty. We're here, here in Minnesota today where it's going to rain most of the day. Yeah. So not a lot of farming can get done today, but there's crop out there standing in the field waiting to be harvested or a field waiting to be prepared for next spring. And if the snow comes, they'll miss that opportunity. So the uncertainty of weather adds a whole nother set of variables to that timing issue. And then finally, people are moving from rural areas where food is grown to urban areas. And so the available labor to grow the food that we all eat is decreasing as well. So farmers need that automation to ensure that they can get the job done in a timely fashion and do it super precisely, literally inch by inch, uh, to make sure that they can get the most out of the land uh, each and every year. And I think that's an important distinction to autonomy as people generally understand it. We're interested in autonomy in agriculture, not just driving the tractor from point A to point B, but it has to do a useful job in the process, right? And uh, tillage or planting or whatever the case might happen to be. It's not just the act of moving the machine and its occupants from point A to point B, but it has to do the job that the farmer expects it to do. And, in, and it has to do that in a way that, that generates a lot of confidence that, that it's being done in the proper way. So the farmer has confidence in the actual work that's being done. Because if, if it doesn't do the job well, their business suffers as a consequence. No, I think that that's probably what struck me the most. In economies of scale, in a country as big as this one, and I was showing my son yesterday how if you don't have a combine, it's impossible for humans to be able to harvest all this land in the amount of time that a combine can do it. I, I know that it's always this concern about labor, and it's probably one of the questions that I do have here, like we have to worry about giving jobs and everything. Yes, we do, but can humans actually do it? Like, give me an example of a combine. What time does it take for it to do, you know, a harvest of a mile, for example? Yeah, so uh, X9 Combine is an example, our largest combine. I think you had the opportunity yeah. maybe to see that this summer when you were in Iowa in, in July. Uh, you know, that, that machine will harvest 40 acres of, of farm ground in, in you know, good corn production per hour. Uh, so okay. if, you, if you think about that, to your point, it's just not humanly possible for us to have enough labor to harvest 40 acres of corn in an hour. Right. And that's not just taking the, the ears of corn off the stock, it's shelling all the corn off of the ears, processing the corn, making sure that it's clean, clean grain, right, so that it's useful for the next step in the agricultural production. And then I noticed that there's even a camera that will tell the farmer how the corn's coming out. Exactly. Right there. Yep. And change the settings of the combine to make sure it's not 
putting too much pressure and cracking the kernels, but also not, not too little pressure to let material other than grain, like cobs and leaves, into the grain tank because the farmers paid for a clean, damage-free sample. And so for them, it's really important. And so those cameras aren't just there to help the farmer see. They're making the decisions that a farmer used to make on how to set that finely tuned machine to run as optimally as it can. And last week in Nebraska, uh, we were able to demonstrate delivering 93 semi-trucks of grain in 12 hours out of one single combine, which wow. is a huge, huge amount of grain. This was the X9. This was the X9. So it is, it is doing work that uh, you would need a lot of people that's, to execute. It's not just, not just picking the cob out of the field, I think, is the important part, too. It's doing all of those jobs in a very intricate fashion at scale at five to six miles an hour. And that's really the magic of technology and agriculture, right? It's this ability to do precision at scale. You think of that cornfield uh, that was harvested, there might be 40 to 50,000 plants per acre in that field, and we right. want to treat each one of them independently, right? That's a really massive problem. It's a massive problem to understand what each plant needs. It's a big data problem, right? And, but it's a big data opportunity as well. If you know what those plants need and you have data for each and every plant, you can start to tailor the inputs to each plant and produce the maximum output for each, uh, for each seed that a farmer might plant. Now let's talk about the farmers particularly because probably one of the most interesting things that I saw as well was in the archive. I saw a tractor with horse reins. I think Nathan is the name of the archivist, correct? Or I'm trying to remember. Uh, but I think that he was making ne the- Neil Dahlstrom. Neil, Neil. He was making the point that farmers are reluctant to change sometimes, that they like farming. And he was explaining that the reason why that tractor had horse reins was because, you know, they wanted to feel that they were still on a horse, even if it was a tractor. And this was Deere's way to adapt what they were used to into new technology. So you have a history of figuring out smart ways to tell farmers, don't worry, this is just what you used to do, just better. But tell me more about like how has this autonomous tractor like what has been the reaction with who's tested it, which I assume is a very small pool of people. Yeah, I would say overwhelmingly positive, I mean, but the, the, it, it also brings up a super interesting point, which is the user experience, right? We work a lot. The, the technology is impressive in, in its own right, but it, it doesn't uh, necessarily resonate with a grower unless the user experience is right. So how they interact with autonomy, the information that the machine provides back to them and what they provide back to the machine and that relationship that they have with the machine is really, really important to your point. And, and so we spent a ton of time with growers as we started to develop this system to make sure that that user experience that they have is intuitive, that they understand it, that it's providing a level of confidence to them that the machine is doing what it's supposed to be doing while they're not standing there watching it, right? Right. Uh, and, and, and that's super critical in this because you have to build the confidence that the technology is working for them when it's out of sight and out of mind. And, and, you know, farmers uh, are part art and part science, right? And right. so they, they've got this conflict of how have we always done it versus what is the data telling me might be an even better way to go about this. And so part of it is also the work we do to prove out to farmers that the value is there to bring this automation or autonomy solution on the farm. Because you have to think of it as the entire production system. Remember, right. this autonomous a piece of equipment is doing one of many jobs that happen concurrently on the farm or in sequence. And so one of the things we spent a lot of time with the early adopters of this technology is figuring out how to integrate it into the farm. Every eight hours it needs 
fuel. Right. Every, you know, eight hours, someone needs to just check on it to make sure everything's going as planned. You have to move it from field A to field B. And so all of those operational things have to be integrated into the operation in a different way because there used to be an operator in that seat all the time doing those tasks in between fields. And now the system has to figure out how to manage that while they're also harvesting the crop and moving grain and doing other jobs on the farm as well. Right. So I was hearing that it was a 1% of labor growth at most a year. You are dealing with a labor problem. Absolutely. Like a very massive labor problem. And it's a timeliness of labor problem, right? It's a seasonal uh, effort. Agriculture is seasonal. And so when you need labor, you really need labor, but you don't need it all year long. And so attracting a constant source of labor is difficult when it's you know, a, seasonal, a seasonal type of, of effort. And just the, the intensity that is around, the labor intensity that's still within agriculture makes it difficult to attract enough labor into, into doing the jobs that need to be done. Plus so often precision. those jobs don't get done. Plus the precision. Yep. Like my dad grew up a farmer and like he had told me the importance of, for example, a seed to be planted at a specific height. Uh, for like that alone, how important that is, the separation. I can't imagine human beings being able to do that precisely for over and over and over and over on a cornfield this large. Yeah. And, and let's talk about the tractor particularly, or more the system, I guess, because anybody that owns an 8R could just adapt the system to their tractor. It's like you don't need to buy a new tractor for this, correct? Yeah, the system is intended to be a retrofit solution that it can go on uh, a tractor that you already own. And a tractor is a Swiss army knife, right? It does a number of jobs on the farm. Not all of them will be ready for autonomy right off the bat. So right. it, the tractor definitely needs to be able to do all the jobs on the farm. And over time, more and more of those will get done autonomously. Okay, what, like what uh, particular um, crafts are already supported, for example? Yeah, we're starting with the, the job of preparing the field after right. harvest is, is our first step. But you can imagine that all of these jobs need to be done in a timely fashion at the same time as other jobs. And so whether it's spraying or planting, planting. or someday even harvest, uh, there will likely be autonomous solutions for farmers to, to manage their farms from wherever they are. So give me a typical day for a farmer. Wake up in the morning, make your coffee, and tractors out there, what's their day gonna look like, for example? Well, I, I think uh, they'll definitely be monitoring it, right? We've got cameras and video feeds to, to be able to see what's been done. They'll be working to understand how much time until that field is, is done uh, because they're going to need to either uh, add fuel to it or move the tractor from, from field A to field B. But while that tractor's running and preparing the field for next year's planting season, they'll likely be doing something else that's critical at that time, exactly. like getting in their combine and combining the field next door or moving grain. You know, as grain comes out of the field, it's not dry enough typically to just go right into the bin. So they've got to dry it to, to get it ready to be stored or they have to move it to get ready to sell it to the market. And so there are just a number of things always happening at once that the farmer will take his attention from what used to be maybe tilling that field to something that's more important for their eyes to be on at that time. There's also a quality of life play here too, right? Yeah. They, they, right. May, they may be doing something not farm related with the time that they're saving while their tractor's doing whatever it needs to do in the field. And that's a huge benefit to a farmer who might work, you know, today and harvest 16, 18 hours a day. Uh, doing nothing but, but farm work, right? That's a significant improvement to the quality of life. We, so. were, we were on a farm last week where a farmer was using this technology and he said, hey, I get to go to my son's football game 
tonight, right? Think about the fall right. in, in the Midwest, Friday night lights and, and football is a big deal. And a lot of times farmers miss those opportunities because they have to get the crops out of the field. Now, tell me more about the technology, because another thing that fascinated me is the control of the tractor with your phone and the immediate reaction of the tractor. Swipe and just an immediate reaction of the alerts and just boom. Press a stop button and there was no delay. In an area where signal is not really amazing, it was just an immediate reaction. Like, tell me more about how this works. Sure, so there's stereo cameras around the, the vehicle. Stereo cameras are the primary perception uh, mechanism, the, the sensor modality that we use. Uh, and we're constantly surveilling 360 degrees around the tractor and the implement, which is important. So, you know, different than automotive, perhaps, we've got to worry about not just the tractor, but also whatever is behind the tractor right. and the job that it's doing. So that's unique and different and makes it a little more complicated, perhaps, than what uh, the automotive industry faces today. Um, and then to your point, we use John Deere Operation Center. It is the common front end, the digital tool that our, our growers are accustomed to using. It's where their data is stored. It's where they manage their farm. Uh, and so that is the front end for this application, right? They have the ability within John Deere Operation Center to do exactly what you saw yesterday, uh, start that, that mission plan for whatever the tractor needs to do in that field uh, and swipe and, and initiate motion. And so in that swiping action, the tractor is surveilling the 360 degrees around the tractor, making sure that it's safe to start motion okay. and initiate motion. It warns people in the local yeah. environment that, yeah, that, it's, that. that it's gonna start. Uh, and then it's off and running. And, and from that point on, the, the customer, the grower, can, can really manage that through the application on their mobile device. And so in the morning, you will pretty much just turn on your app, go to the tractor, make sure that everything's set, you fueled it, and then you will... I was noticing that there is no need for hardware in the field to tell the tractor what the limits are. You will do everything digitally on your phone. Yeah, because in, in preparation for the season, or maybe even 10 years ago, the farmer drew the boundaries of their field right. to, to manage all of their guidance lines and other things that have been around for, for two decades. So we've got a digital twin, basically, of that field that tells us where the edges of the field are, and the GPS on the tractor tells us where the tractor is, and we make sure that the tractor's always inside of that field. Obviously, safety is a concern. We have, this is not a Toyota Camry. You know, I was, I was thinking about that yesterday. I've, what am I more concerned about? an automated tractor or a tired farmer driving the tractor, where in the case of the non-automated tractor with a driver that's been there for 16 hours, there is nothing stopping that thing in case something pops up. Whereas this autonomous tractor will detect things on its own. But you know, uh, tell me more about that, what safety features were added yeah, well, safety was definitely our number one priority as we developed this system. Obviously, we want a productive tool that's easy to use, but it has to be safe. And so safety was, was number one as we thought about this machine. And what's different about us compared to automotive is that we don't have to make the decision as to whether to go left or go right or stay straight on a road if an obstacle comes. Because we're in the middle of a cornfield in Minnesota, we can just stop. And so the system is really focused on just stopping if it right. sees any anomalies, anything out front that it didn't expect, or even anything with the tool that maybe doesn't look like it's supposed to look, or something breaks on the tool, it can sense that, hey, that's not how it's supposed to look. And I'll stop and alert, alert the farmer that, hey, something's wrong, you might want to come mm -hmm. look at it. 
But we also know that we can't constantly alert the farmer right. if, if a dog or a fox comes out and the tractor has to stop. Um, and there's also shadows. We're outside and the sun and other things. And so there's a lot of reasons why the tractor might stop because it sees an anomaly mm-hmm. that we don't want to alert the farmer for. So we're using some third-party support that okay. will um, take a look at what the tractor is seeing. And within 30 seconds, it's looking at the image that the tractor saw that made it stop. And it's giving the tractor the command to go ahead and start again if it was a shadow or a bird or something else that, that caused it to stop. But our ability to just stop and check to make sure everything is safe is really a differentiator to bring autonomy to agriculture compared right. to other industries. Right. No, for me, that was probably one of the most, I was like, no, I, I was in a car accident. I fell asleep on the wheel. Oh, man. So I, and it, it was really bad. And I, you know, I've noticed how vehicles today will, you know, they'll have their radar systems. They'll be able to steer a little for you. They'll be able to detect the car in front of you. This is... That looks like baby software compared to this. Well, and for 20 years, we've had a number of alerts in the system, right? right? Because we've been self-driving in the field with an operator in the seat for, 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 a, for a long, long time. time. Yeah. Right. And so we've had to deal with that because on long stretches, you could go a mile in one direction in a straight line. We did want to make sure that no one fell asleep, right? right. That when they got to the edge of the field, that they turned around. Right. And so we've created alerts around the boundaries and things to say, okay, beep, beep, it's uh, time to make sure you're ready to, to stop this tractor and turn it around. Right. And then there's, sorry. In addition to the perception safety, Jaime, something that people don't often think about is when you take the operator out of the, the cab of the tractor, the reliance that you had on that operator detecting mechanical failures, things that could go right. wrong with the tractor is now gone, right? right? And so we've had to think about that in the context of safety. So things like redundant braking systems. Right. You know, we, we not only brake with what we call the service brakes on the tractor, but we can brake the machine and stop it with the transmission as well, as an example, right? So those are the things that you have to think about when you take the human out of the loop, so to speak, and, and you're relying on the tractor to be able to not only make the decisions about whether to move or stop, but then be able to execute on those actions. Right. And technically, for what I saw in, Ju- in July, you're, you, pretty much the tractor was already self-driving. You just added systems to it, but you were already doing that for a while. It, like for me, what, what I saw in, in, in Iowa mostly was like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I go through the fields and I see everything so well aligned. So I'm like, I don't drive that straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, the addition is to make sure we're, historically we have driven through the field, you know, operator in the seat, hands-free, even now turning on the ends with something we call auto track turn automation, right. which does the whole field without the farmer ever touching the steering wheel. But that's just the point A to point B element of autonomy that farming has had for a long time. Right. It's really this notion of job quality and the ability of the perception systems to identify anomalies going on with the job to say, hey, we're not doing it like we should have. These are complex systems, and while it right. doesn't happen often, things break. Right. And we needed to make sure we had that system built in to make sure we were doing a good job. Because right. no one's going to buy autonomy if it does a worse job than a manned system, right? It has to do as good or better in order for, for farmers to want to put it into their farm because it, this is a system, and the next job is impacted by the job that went before it. So if you, if you mess up or have an issue, it probably means some serious rework, right. or it impacts your ability to grow a healthy, yeah. abundant crop next year. This perfection is really at the foundation of sustainability, of growing more with less, getting the most out of every acre with as few inputs as we can. And so 
all of this precision that's been built up for 20 years has is, is been focused on doing exactly that, reducing overlap, you know, not having skips in the field, making sure we're putting the right product in the right place at the right time. And this is just that next step in, in driving that sense of precision to make sure we're doing each job as, as well as we can. I actually think it's the next big change in the mechanization of agriculture. If you think about you know, how mechanized agriculture happened, the labor required to operate the machine and the machine were both required to do the job, right? right. You had to have the labor and you, the, the person to operate and you had to have the machine. Autonomy represents an opportunity to decouple those two things, right? You no longer need the person for the machine to operate. Right. And that represents a huge, you know, stepfold function change in the ability for growers to produce uh, and, and feed a growing world population. And, and it's, it opens up all sorts of interesting possibilities, right? For uh, ways to better manage the work, ways to better manage the, the farm, ways to better manage the outcome, to your point, the job quality, right. um, the consistency associated with that because the machine's doing the work and it's doing it the same on hour one as it is on hour 24, right? right? That's a, a huge unlock for growers. I'm, I'm really interested on your projections. Obviously, you're making this very easy. It's again, you don't need to buy a new vehicle. You've made the system where people can literally just adapt it and you're still giving the farmer the liberty to be the farmer if they want. What do you see about adoption? Like how much do you see in, you know, within 100%, do you think that it's gonna be like a quick impact? People are gonna just react to it or you think it's gonna take some time? What's your vision on this? You know, I think it really is up to us to make it, as you pointed out, easy for yeah. the farmer to adopt. I think we're on a path to do that, but every farm is unique, right? Every farm has got different challenges and different pieces of technology that they can adopt on their farm. Not all farms are even using AutoTrack. Well, probably 75 to 80% of the acres farmed out there are using that technology. There's still a number of farmers who, who aren't using it yet. Right. So I think our opportunity is to continue to show the value that autonomy can bring, to continue to bring more and more jobs that can be done autonomously. And we'll see farmers adopt these sorts of technologies based on what they need on their farm. Is labor their biggest issue? Then I think those farmers will, will probably ad adopt these technologies. But, but some farms have enough labor, and so maybe they'll look to other technologies that are more about precise placement of seed or precise placement of, of crop nutrition or crop protection products versus this technology. But over time, I think it's only inevitable that autonomy will play a huge part in how agriculture gets it work, its work done just simply because of the macroeconomic trends of, of available right. labor and, and the need to grow even more food to feed the world. And so it, it will take some time for farmers to drive confidence in it, and that's our job, is to help them understand that this can do as good or a better job than they can do, and that it's easy to adopt into any farming system. Right. I'd also add that I think the market's ready. Like I think adoption will be you know, relatively quick compared to how it's been in the past because we've been in the market for two decades with tractors that you know, are hands-free, as an example. And so growers, operators are accustomed to the technology and, and they actually ask us, why do I have to be in here anymore, <laughs> right? right. And, and, and so I think there's this, this expectation almost in the market that this is going to happen and it's going to happen in agriculture and that when it does, you know, that people are ready for it, right? They, they expect it to, to happen. And I think that sort of pent up demand in the marketplace bodes well for adoption. Yeah, and I, I think what's unique about farming is we didn't go from zero tech to full tech right. overnight. No. It has literally been really 20 process. years yeah. of a process of doing this. And so there are a number of farms who are waiting and asking for that, that next opportunity to 
make their farm even better. How's your experience been in other countries? Because I, Deanna, you told me a lot about your travels and where you've been and how adoption has been there as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, this isn't just about U.S. agriculture. This is about global agriculture. Yes. And um, there is an opportunity to, to continue to bring technology to every production system around the world, whether it's a, um, a sugarcane farm in, in Brazil, a, a wheat farm in, in Russia or, or Western Europe, or uh, the, the broad acres of, of Canada. We are thinking about how can we bring these technologies to each of the production systems that our customers operate in, because they're all unique. They all bring different challenges, but we, we start with the same tech stack that, that Jamie's organization creates, and then we think about how do we have to tweak it to make it work into a different system. And I think that's the, the power that, that John Deere's been able to create for yeah. farmers is we can bring a common set of tools uh, because of our deep understanding of how they operate in their system, we can tweak them to make them work in their unique surroundings, whether that's their country, whether that's their, their political uh, areas, or whether it's the different crops that they all farm in. And, and I think it's a really astute observation, Jaime. It's, it's uh, not just about bigger, faster, stronger right. any longer, right? It's right. also uh, because of the state of technology in the world today, it's about smarter as well, right? How do you make the equipment smarter? How do you make the equipment uh, intelligent to pass on its information to the next piece of equipment in the production system. And, and that idea of smarter equipment, that plays across the world. It's not just a U.S. No. agriculture uh, opportunity, it's a global agriculture opportunity. I'm curious as to the vision. What's next? What are you guys working on that at least you could talk about that, that excites you the most? of whatever is coming up. Yeah, for, for me, it's, it's this notion of the system that Jamie just talked about, that within farming, when I'm planting, the information I have at planting can help me spray my crop better. The information I can glean while I'm spraying my crop in the season to protect it and nurture it, I can use at harvest to do that job even better. So our focus is really on finding those system opportunities where, where we can glean some data from one aspect of the farm or one job on the farm and make the rest of the system work even better. And think about how can we continue to automate each of those pieces of the operation so that someday we can take the operator out of, of every seat on the right. farm. But we have a lot of work to do to automate a lot of those decisions that farmers are making today because of what they see or hear or feel as they're running through the field. I'm the technology nerd, so I'm going to give you a technology <laughs> answer. I would you know, appreciate I, that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm super excited. What you've seen is a down payment on autonomy uh, from a deer perspective, right? It's, it's a, a drop in the bucket relative to where we can go from huh. fully, fully autonomizing a farm. Uh, but to do that, the technical hurdles are, are significant, right? Uh, they're, they're more significant than what you saw you know, in, in the soybean stubble field uh, yesterday, for example. If you think about the technical problem associated with standing crop, uh, and, and operating a machine through standing crop. It sort of conjures up in your mind this need for different sensor modalities, different ways to sense things within the environment. Uh, and those are all really hard technical problems that you know, we're in the midst of solving as we speak. And that's what comes next, right? It's, it's continuing to take the pace of change of technology that's as fast now as it's ever been and deploying it to use in agriculture to solve some of those really hard problems. And that's super exciting because it's happening at a breakneck pace right now. It's uh, the farm 10 years from now is going to look very different from the farm today. I have seen so many industries 
that don't have the level of precision that you're providing or that still overly rely on human labor and human error. Like, have you guys ever considered patenting some of this stuff? Like, you know, people can brag about their self-driving Tesla all they want. That tractor yesterday was 10 times smarter than anything that I've seen. Is there like an idea of like bringing this to other industries or something? I don't know. I see so much opportunity. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. If Tesla wanted to talk autonomy, we'd be happy to you know, <laughs> sh sh share, share what we do with them. I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the ability to take the technology and deploy it uh, more broadly is an interesting, it's an interesting idea. Uh, we've, we, kind of my view on that is the problem set that we have in front of us right now is big enough that that's what we're focused on. <laughs> right. um, but I think the time comes, you know, eventually uh, as we gain broader scale deployment of the technology and we solve, solve more of the problems for us to investigate exactly what you're talking about. How do you deploy it in adjacent spaces? I've never seen so much complexity be addressed in such a simple manner. How many people do you have in R&D? Like... <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, the answer is a lot and more all the time. And if people are interested in working in this area, you know, you, they, should, they should feel free to let me know. We'd love, we'd love to talk to them. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 5,000 folks that work in, in an R&D capacity in some way, shape, or form. That uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't count the sort of the many tentacles of development that we do outside of the company as well. Uh, so a significant presence. And it's not just the technology that you see, you know, on the, 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 the tech stack side of things, right? The, the stereo cameras that you got to experience yesterday. It's all the technology that goes into the base equipment, right? Fundamentally, if the tractor doesn't do what the tractor needs to do, then it's the, all the technology in the world doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. Here's the thing. I had never heard the term stereo camera before oh. yesterday. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is the primary sensor modality that we're using for perception reasons because it gives us not only the image information, but it gives us depth. So we can, we can measure the distance away from objects uh, just with the cameras. Anything else you'd like to add? This is the beginning of a long road of, of continuing to change agriculture and it's exciting. As a farm kid, this is exciting stuff to think about how we can take this technology and continue to make farming more productive, more sustainable, and a better quality of life for the people who get up every day to feed us. Who came up with the idea of the swipe on the app, by the way? You like it, don't you? I liked it a lot. <laughs> I, I like the, like, it's like, it's like this dashboard and it turns into this like command center and it's just so quick and simple, so practical and then you just get it to work. Probably my last question is, you, you don't only deal with the complexities of farming per se, you deal with infrastructure. There is no signal here. The fact that you were able to figure out how to get that tractor to work, even without signal for me, was fascinating. Like, does that affect, like, how many hurdles did you have to jump to figure that out? So, so it, the, the tractor has to be in cell connection uh, with a network, right? It doesn't have to be a great connection. It's got to, it, we send a heartbeat signal, so we right. have to know what's happening with the tractor at all times. And, and to your point, that's, um, you know, one of the challenges that we face in rural environments is that connectivity challenge, right? Rural right. connectivity is a big deal. Uh, and, it, and it's increasingly, Jaime, putting, you know, communities that don't have great connectivity at a disadvantage, not just to, to use autonomy in agriculture, but for all the other things that connectivity brings. I really appreciate this. This has been great. You don't do this often, and I really appreciate this. I in my opinion, and this is just a personal thought, I do consider John Deere to be as much a tech company, if not a more advanced tech company than any of the others that I've, that I've 
worked with before, and, and this has been fascinating. Thank you for the experience, and, and I really do hope we do it again. We will, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining. That's it for the interview. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed it. And at the same time, please let us know what questions you have or what your thoughts are on this fully autonomous tractor. And while you're at it, follow us on social media and subscribe to our channel for more videos like this one. You can also follow me on my personal handles to see me try to drive a tractor, but it could drive itself. Please give this video a thumbs up if you like what you saw. I'm Jaime Rivera. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you on the next one.